With digitalization, deepening globalization, and population aging, the world of work is changing. The extent to which individuals, firms, and economies can harness the benefits of these changes critically depends on readiness of adult learning system to help people develop relevant skills for this changing world of work. Hello, everyone. This is Sarah welcoming you back to another episode of Wise Words. Before we start, we want to make a quick announcement. Wise Words is now available on Spotify, so be sure to subscribe to us over there when you get the chance. We know many podcasters prefer listening to on Spotify, so we're happy to finally be here. Our last episode featured three speakers that we talked to while we were at Wise at Paris. They shared their thoughts on the future of work and employment. This episode, episode 31, continues where we left off and brings three new faces to the spotlight. Marion Violet, Nicholas Sadarak, and Kareem Sai. If you haven't heard part one, we encourage you to give it a listen too. Otherwise, let's get started. I am Marion Voileau. I'm an architect and a designer, and I started to focus my work on education a few years ago. And now I'm just starting my PhD uh, between the CRI here, the Institute of Acoustic and Music also in Paris, in the School of Design of NC Des Ateliers. My work aims to place the body at the heart of learning, the leveraging digital technology. So that means exploring new uh, tools and uh, pedagogical instruments to change the paradigm for education and placing uh, the body and the technology at the same uh, level for education. My first motivation was to create new uh, pedagogical tools for education because um, I'm an architect but I'm also a designer and I was really aware about uh, the body, the space and the movement uh, and gesture in the space by the body. And so that means that I wanted to create new tools to place the body in the space and in the education. And so I focus my attention on digital technology and how I can use this technology to interact with the body and the movement. Okay. So as a young person who's working, who's also a designer and who's working to create new pedagogies for, for, for early childhood development, how do you envision the future of work? From my own perspective, I would like to collaborate more um, with uh, educators and teachers. I would like to uh, create a real relationship between design and education because I think that if we work together uh, in a collaborative way, we can create um, new pedagogies and you, you create new education. That means that design, science and education can like be linking together. Mm -hmm. So do you see that in the future there is a need or right now currently there is a need for this sort of synergy between the different, let's say, sectors or, or elements? I think the, the like a successful education is an education that is really interdisciplinary. If we are working all together uh, to create better education, that means that we are uh, getting people from different backgrounds and different uh, disciplines uh, and we can create that synergy for education. Do you believe that there is space or there might be a world that we live in in a few years from now or decades from now where technology might be 
sort of hindering our own our own development as as a population? Do you think that's possible from your own point of view? I think we like it's not a matter of uh, with or without technology. It means that technology is uh, all around us. So I mean, how we can do better with technology? That means that we can have a better relationship, better interaction with technology by including the body. So that means that we can change a lot of things by having another vision of technology. That means that is more active. What would you tell? Um, there are a lot of articles that are out there that people are panicking. They're thinking. Mm-hmm. that you know what the robots are coming uh, that mm-hmm. you know they're going to take our jobs they're going to be educating our, par- uh, our our kids how do you what would you tell a person who came to you and told you this that you know technology you know it's getting dangerous it's getting to a, to a point that we don't know it's going to it's going to outsmart us and outdo anything you know than us as human beings what would you tell them uh, i would tell them that of course technology can be dangerous but it's also really powerful and we can do a lot of things with this technology so if we learn better how to use this technology how we can also act them uh, and that means that uh, learn to children in at a very early age uh, how to use it differently so I think if you have uh, an active relationship with the technology that means that you will be more aware to use it properly and for better use uses. Um, but if you are more passive and you if you're using only the screens and only the application that existed for the moment, of course, it can be dangerous for all the in, intelli- artificial intelligence uh, that you can't control. But if you learn how to control and how to, how to use them better, I think it could be a good way to improve education. So what, what the work that you're working on right now, so you're envisioning that by creating these new pedagogies, technologies, integral part of it, correct? Um, uh, how do you envision then teaching a learning just briefly uh, by putting the body at the center, but at the same time leveraging technology? And that means, for example, we are developing two uh, scenarios for the moment. One is to, we, we can use a smartphone to um, record gesture and the gesture is trans- stated by sound so that means that it's your gesture that would make the sound and we can create stories for children and they will use the body um, in all the space and that could be really interesting to uh, create new imagination and new way to imagine imagining stories for example uh, with the sounds of nature of birds or water I don't know we have this kind of scenario that we are developing at the IRCAM uh, with the interaction sound music uh, team and also I have this other scenario where I'm working with a, a e-textile designer so I'm in electronic t- textile and I'm using all the um, electronic and the textile at the same time to make pe- make children aware about the gestures so that means they can interact with the textile and with the technology by the gesture of the end and they, so they can learn how to uh, talk about different feelings different sensations and different emotions uh, and I'm, I'm for for this project, I'm collaborating with Claire Elio, which is a designer that is also in the crew with me. Um, and so are you guys creating the, the apps or the different programs from scratch? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. We, um, with the IRCAM, they have already developed a lot of algorithms to translate gesture into sounds. So that's really interesting because I'm using their work and we 
try to improve uh, this application for education. But we are also creating new ways to interact with this uh, application. That means that we are uh, designing a new tool. And for it textile, for example, it's only used for the moment for um, fashion design. And I want to use it for education. That means that we are arcing the system and using already some things that are already existing, but we are creating new tools by using a user-centered uh, design methodology, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I know that you're working um, primarily for, for early childhood, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, do you see that, because what we also read and hear about it is that a lot of people who are from the younger generation are more at peace and they understand that you need to work with because it, technology, because it's all around us and mm-hmm. then that we need to sort of change our perspective. However, more of the older generation are the some, somehow apprehensive. Um, do you see that the, that that there are avenues where where reskilling and reeducation for for older generation through technology is possible? And and how do you see that? Actually, I can use this application for everybody at any age. Uh, for the Nuit Blanche, which is a big event in Paris, we organize a, a collective uh, and interactive story with the application I use for kindergarten uh, with adults, and it was really funny to. See see how I changed uh, the perspective uh, to see technology for them because they were using their own smartphone not to call someone or not to text someone but to move and to make sounds so that was really different and we created different interactions in different uh, pedagogical scenarios also for adults and children. I'm Nicolas Adirac and uh, right now I am making a platform called Zone Zero Run which target to train like 1 million IT creative, innovative coders in Africa in the next 15 years. I used to be in IT education for the last 25 years and I found the School 42, which is starting in Paris and now it's in like 15 countries. So what, what I think in the future, it's we are going, and it's really my own feeling that we are more and more going with creative works where the computers and IA will supply us and make all the non-creative. They will make all the owning of knowledge and the whole deduction of this knowledge. And we will have more of humanities and ability, like, like empathy, like co-creativity. And I think we are at the just, just starting point of what I would call collective intelligence that's really start to emerge and emerge mainly because and with the help of IA. So I think the IA, IA, it's a mean of freeing ourselves of basic task, but also it's a mean of empowering ourselves to be part of co-creative collective much wider that we used to. What should we change right now in the learning systems that we have? What can we tweak to actually work on these human traits? So I, I think we, we should totally remove the transfer knowledge. So maybe not totally remove it, but at least don't focus as much as we do because now we are focusing like 90% of, of the energy of kids is just making their memory work. And that's exactly what a computer does. And more, much more focus on their co-creativity. And that is very easy, actually. This Actually, it's much simpler than it seems. The, the hardest part is mainly to get rid of her fear and mainly of her adult's field. Because if you let kids go, they will do it by themselves. It's mainly what they do. We just have to make a, like a safe place, well-being, 
with very rich and uh, complex environment and kids organize themselves in this and it works pretty well. So I think if, if I could say in you know, a very, very simple stuff, trust would be the most important thing. Trust the kid. Uh, they know more the future than we do. And that's mainly, mainly the problem. It's uh, We have been in a society where mainly tradition brings value. And we have been that way for a very long time. And it's less and less true. And it will be totally the opposite in the future. Because tradition brings you means, but the robots will bring you means. Okay, so what rest, it's what we do out of it. And that has to be free to more creative people, more artistic value, more human value. So we have to adapt our education system to release this kind of pressure we put on kids, like you have to know this, you have to know how to do division, you have to know how to make integral or whatever. We don't care. Computers do that wonderfully and they will do it better and better. Our human computer interface is really getting very fast. Now we are able to read mind, we are able to bring idea to someone in, in his mind directly, we are able to read face emotion, we are able to do wonderful stuff. So it means that you don't have to mainly cares about uh, this technologic part, it will be very transparent. So we should focus on human value. We should focus on how do we work and how do we live together? How do we create new out of a group of people to get this co-creativity? And I think we are in the very edge of a really deep, I would say, human change where we have this kind of really big collective are going to create new stuff that we don't know exactly what is out, but it will have some kind of new way of comprehending the world. And it maybe help us to solve very big issues coming on because we, we, do, we really see now that this individual way of thinking is not enough. It, 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 it's helped us to go out of, of basic needs like uh, living stuff and having enough food and stuff, but it won't make it to solve the big issue of being like 10 billion people in the same place. So we have to get in a collective way to manage this, which is very new. And I think we can bring our kids to be more, much more efficient on this by mainly freeing them. My understanding, at least, I, I was a teacher before, and, and, and you leave children and they do, they, they create and they, and they work and they actually educate the educators at the same time. How about the older generation, people who have already grew up in this sort of paradigm? How do you see we can actually instill these values in them through perhaps, I don't know, technology or? Through My experience, and, and we did many experiences with older, it's you can change older if you make them work with the younger. You so can or you can't? You can. Oh, you can. It does work perfectly if you make... We, we had many experience with more than 50 working with people like 20 and having amazing results for both of them. It was much, much better for the young and for the, for the older. So it's one of the problems we have in our society is to try to cut in groups. We have to make to cut in passions. So when you have people passionate on something, there is older, younger, and they are, they are able to work together. And by this, you can make the trust, which is enough to change. Okay. The first thing to change people, it's they need to be trust. You, you have not never a change if you don't trust in the, in the future. You will, when you are afraid, you are always based, you go back to your basic and what you are sure, what you have been told forever. If you want to change, you have to take risks or you have to be in trustful situation. So the first thing is to make people work together and co-create stuff. I would say the power of this is the patient. So we have to make around some patients or you have to make an environment where many patients, many wonderful stuff can 
arise and people will aggregate around project, around one mission, around maybe helping someone. Okay, it can be some kind of some things that engage, and you will see that younger and older have mainly the same passion. It's not it's, there is no real difference if you if you speak about real passion. I'm not speaking about uh, very ephemeral stuff, but in a, in deep, some people are driven by helping people. Some people are driven by creating. Some people are driven by raising or whatever. It's really that, and then then people aggregate and work together, and when they fulfill together some things, they start to trust and to rely on each other. And then they can slowly by slowly open their mind and say, okay, this guy is not so weird and I can, I can have this kind of attitude and then he will go. Do you think that schooling right now and education is irrelevant? I think it's more than an irrelevant. It's, I think it's unuseful. We are spending so much time of brain memorizing stuff that is totally unuseful, I think it's dangerous. Something which is always difficult to understand for most people is that knowledge is not neutral. It doesn't mean, it means that people, I, I see a lot of parents tell me, okay, my kid is doing that. And he say, okay, at, at worst, he won't use it. It's not true. At worst, this kid won't do something else because of that. Knowledge is kind of sticky stuff. And when you get it, you it's really hard to get rid of it. It structures you. Uh, and we are pushing so much past knowledge on the, on the kids that when most of the kids, when they get out of our education system at 18, they are like 60. They have the experience of 60 years old people and they are stick in this. It's, and some are happily are able to get out of this, but most of them are just stick and they are full of behavior. They are full of totally past stuff. So that's what we are doing. It's really, really not good for our kids. We are mainly engineer a kid on in old paradigm which we are pretty sure it won't be efficient in, in a very and not even long future it's very short future so we are mainly arming our kids uh, and i think it tends to reduce their creativity so this kind of having so heavy knowledge to carry mean having mainly they have answer to everything if there is any situation they know how to behave they, we, we push them how to behave, so they have they have very few freedoms, so free will. We are in a world where their own specificity in a collective will be the value. So if you remove them this freedom, you remove most of the value. Because when, when what's going on when they will be able to be a wonderful human computer? What about doing in, in competition with an IA, which will be a wonderful computer, much better than they were ever. There is no skills like memory that you can be as good as a computer. There is no way. You can't never be as deductive as a good IA program. So you have to be human. And doing this kind of uh, separating knowledge and making kids like machines, we are arming them very deep, deeply for the future. And we are doing it right now for in a big amount, just because we fear like we, we are kind I know most of people, I say, I, I succeed because I study a lot and you want your kids to succeed the same, but they are not in the same world. And the world we are targeting, they know it much better. It looks like more like what they do in a video game, like what you did in a, in a normal company today. Okay, so in 10 years, people will be more co-creative like in a video game that you are now working in a company with hierarchy and everything separate. So first thing we are, should be able to do is to be able to realize that we are not, as adults, the best people to know what is going on in future and in short future because it's changing like it ever has changed fast before. Do you think that individuals should bear the burden of changing and adapting to that? Or do you think that governments and systems should take that on board? In, in theory, government should do it. 
in practice, they won't. You, you, you really see that those, those institutions are too slow to adapt. Uh, very few governments re really understand what's going on. And even when they do understand, they have so, they are so, so stick in a, in political issue and corporation issue that it's quite, pretty clear they won't make it. I, I think the best the government can do is make stuff easier. So make it free to evolve. Maybe let's local experiment going on being less centralized. I don't think they will can do manage this kind of change. And it has to be um, something which would we call Darwinian, like we have many tests because we don't know where we go. So we have to test many ways. Uh, and we also don't have really time because it's going fast. So I think if you trust on government, it will be, it will be a failure. Even average size big company will have really hard time to adapt. So you, you need much more to have a big network of, of small initiatives and then to have a global learning ecosystem that kind of see what works, what doesn't work and failure, retry and change again and stuff like this that you can't have in a, let's say a central hierarchical uh, architecture where you are not allowed to fail. So can you talk to me a little bit about this new project that you're working on and what do you hope to achieve? I know you want to educate millions of Yeah, of so, so, my, so my, mainly I was now getting out of 42, which mm -hmm. is working wonderfully mm -hmm. and making an amazing work. But now 42 is mainly focused for a rich country and going to train around 10,000 people a year. Uh, my goal is mainly to train 100,000 a year and to have 100 million innovative. And I, I am I'm kind of pushing on the innovative. The question is not to make people able to make basic coding, which is totally unuseful because IA will do it. Okay, so we need on, to have those creative, co-creative people. So I, I target now to have 1 million of them trained in Africa in the next 10, next 15 years. And I think it's really possible. And the idea of this is to use the added value created to finance the growth because I, I really don't trust that governments can do it. it. It should do, but they won't. So you have to create your own added value and so that you use this added value to grow and to share it. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're not thinking of replicating the exact model of 42. It's, it's going to be more smaller hubs in yeah, more areas. It will be first more smaller and it will be... So as I did, 42, it's, it's totally non-for-profit and it's based on charity. And I don't think we can solve wide problem with charity. So we need a process where we create value and this value is, is used to create more schools. So the idea is really simple. It's just like a basic football club. Okay, You find talents, you train them, and you share value. So the idea to have like identified the people who really have talent, make, make a contract with them, say, okay, you're going, I'm going to invest on you. I will bring you the two, two years education for free. I will feed you. I will host you for two years. Okay, whatever you are. And then we will, you will work with me and we will share the value of your work. And one part of the value will go to you. Then after you can go and out and for two years. And a part of this value will be owned by us. And this, we are going to use this to create other schools. So the main deal is each school will have to create two schools each year after two years. Okay, so in so it makes like a tree of schools, like you have a viral growth so that you can have millions of people formed in 15 years. Hello, my name is Karim Masai. I'm the founder of Jokola. This is a network of uh, Innovation Hub. 
and what we call the an action tank. We start in uh, Senegal, Dakar. The uh, first uh, space was one of the first in Africa in October 2010. So we deal with a lot of kind of innovation. We try to push for disruption, actually, thinking differently. You know, Einstein used to say we can't solve the problem with the same thinking of uh, when we create the problem. So we need to think differently. That's what we try. And, and Joko in Wolof means the link. Actually, uh, what we say is that first we need to change the way of thinking, but also we need to do it together with all the different actors who are working in silo. Actually, what you're doing with WISE, you know, to to question the, the education, and, and that's the same uh, what we're doing in different space. So now we are covering more than nine countries, mainly in Africa, but also in France. And so we have different subjects. Uh, we are working on Joko Kids for the kids and, and education and technology. We're also now the chairman of Digital Africa. So an association, it's a project uh, supported by the, the President Macron. As I'm part of his uh, presidential council for Africa, uh, actually he wants to get in contact with the, the youth of Africa and find solution, innovative solution for them. And we build that uh, program with the French Development Agency, but it's not a French program for Africa. It's a co-creation program that's very new, you know, uh, embedding partners from Africa, others from France. So we create a new vehicle and uh, supported by the, the French Development Agency. Now we're thinking together how to find solution to emerge the, the ecosystem, the digital ecosystem in, in Africa. I can see that you're an entrepreneur, you're working on policy, you're working on different kind of things. How do you envision the future of work? Or how do you see work in general looking like from your own personal point of view? The first thing we see is that we don't see anything. <laughs> I mean, uh, as we used to say, we are in a VUCA world. I mean, a world that is volatile, uncertain, complex, ambiguous. So I don't think there's a lot of people who know where we're going, actually. So, so people are more, have more questions than response now. And the thing is, we need to be more adapt to that world. And we are not uh, used to that as human beings, you know, to, to be questioning all the time. We like to have solution and simple solution. Or we are in a complex uh, world where we need to find solution that solves the, the complex thing. So as change the old way of doing things and link to that. And actually that's came with the information society we are in because it's pushed by the technology and it goes very quick. So we need to change and think and question ourselves very quickly. And in the meantime, we are challenged by this ecological uh, problem. You know, with the climate change, climate deregulation. If you take Africa, for example, in, in the Sahel region, we say that one, depending on the scenario, you have 100 to 200 million people who will be migrant situation by 2030. We have a population who are doubling every 20 years. So we are facing, and our leaders are facing issues that nobody in Earth, in the humanity, been in front. So uh, nobody have the solution. We need to invent new solutions. So we need to have a new way of approaching the, the, those problems. And, and when we are in front of the complex, it's part of the IBM Sinefin model. Actually, they, they work on to develop uh, Watson, you know, is in artificial intelligence. And you have various different levels of complexity. One is very simple. Second is difficult. So you bring an expert and... They know how to do it. And that's where we used to do, you know, we bring experts, so they give their position and we find a solution. But now we're in the complex. The complex, 
you don't have any one expert that find the solution because there is no solution. We don't know any solution for it. So we need to bring different people around the table, different expertise, and, and find a, a new solution and invent a new one. You know, so that's changed the perspective. Because then uh, we have uh, a kind of open innovation process. Again, what you're doing now, bringing around the table, uh, expert, policymaker, uh, startups, entrepreneur, social entrepreneur, people from the uh, civil servant, you know, all those people who are concerned and even the people themselves or the students to exchange around the table and find solutions. So, so you're saying that we don't know what's coming or what's going to happen. How do you see right now, uh, because we're still facing challenges today, right? And what kind of value should we have right now to actually face the challenges that are happening right now and also the unknown challenges in the future? The value clearly is collaboration and co-creation. Actually, our, our way of learning now is totally different because we are more in competition and we are not sharing because we are in competition. So we really need to change the old way of, of doing it, to work with collaboration, so to collaborate together, even the state, you know, they're not, they are competing. So changing this to think as a global uh, citizen somehow and to share the knowledge because also from the history saying that the, the Occidental world say, okay, I have the knowledge and I bring it to the others. And, and now we know that it's, it's wrong. I mean, the knowledge is everywhere and then we need to even localize. So we need to find all the, the knowledge and to share, to share it and make it uh, on the benefits of everybody. So we become richer by uh, exchanging together. There's a, this Chinese says, you know, I give you an idea and you give me an idea. We go with two ideas, but uh, you know, if everybody's going with the idea, we're not losing the idea. So same thing with the, with the knowledge. So we are not losing when we give the knowledge to another. Uh, depending on if I give you money, yes, you take the money, I'm losing the money. <laughs> so it changes the whole way of dealing actually uh, and exchanging interaction of people uh, today. So when we take the knowledge as a common good, what we want to build together with the Digital Africa project is what we call the, the Learning Africa. But actually, because one of the big tension of the future is also in Africa, you know, one out of three people will be in Africa tomorrow. We have doubling the population every every year, every 20 years, sorry. And, and we have this very tension, I say, with the climate change and things. So there is some very big issue. Even in France, you have a lot of opportunities, like a big uh, capacity for agriculture, etc. Et But in the meantime, there is those issues. So how we deal together with it? Because the issue of Africa is the same issue we need to solve everywhere. Uh, how to feed uh, humanity now when we're going in, into this world of population. Yeah? But for me, I have a big conviction is that the fact that Africa haven't It says that it's not developed. Uh, now it's a chance. We have seen it with mobile phone. We have seen it with the mobile banking. We have seen that it can be disruptive. And when we think disruptively, actually, we can find totally different solution than we never think about it. And, and because also because the assets and all the, the lobby or things are not there because they have not gotten the time to, to invest in that, you know. So, so we're starting from. From new, so that's a, a big opportunity for the world actually to rethink the way uh, we can do things. That's 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 my vision actually, and so uh, we want to do that with education. Uh, we can't with a doubling of population every 20 years to build a university, to build a schools, and actually even those schools and that university haven't changed for 150 years. So we need to find new way of doing this learning. That's what we call the Learning Africa, and this project actually the idea is to open source and to share 
and take the knowledge as a common good. The common good is a community of people who are sharing those values of collaboration, of co-creation, and willing to share resources, to, to put resources together so they can keep it for the future. So if we take the knowledge as a common good, for humanity. So how we, we exchange that? We build a resource center and then we exchange on it so it can be practice for teaching, can be uh, some learning curricula and things. You know, so everybody can come and pick in, in that and localize and, and start from there. It's also to build a network of space learning space. Don't care if it's a university, if it's a, a cultural space or a school, whatever, not even related to, to, to learning. It can be just a place where it's dedicated for that and where you can access those resources we, we talked at, at the beginning. And, and they are also linked in network. Linked to that network, then you build the learning a collectivity, a community of practice, you know, community of uh, learners. And then two will be in a kind of peer-to-peer -peer approach. And uh, same for the teacher learn how to teach or how to mentor or to exchange. And actually, it's not just teacher with learner. Uh, I like to, to say uh, it's like Senghor, you know, the, the, the first president of Senegal. He used to say, uh, we're going to the rendezvous of giving and receiving. And actually, that's where we are. I mean, you can teach and give something to, to someone and then you are the learner at the second time because he gives you something else, you know, because you're always learning from us. From so we are more in that interaction, you know. And how can you guarantee the sustainability of this program? And also, how do you envision it scaling? Because now you're saying that it's a program that is that is funded by the French authorities, yeah. So how do you how do you guarantee that this actually becomes more localized and it becomes? Because everybody is investing in education. The population is investing in education. The government is investing in education. The corporate are investing in education. Everybody is investing in education. Actually, the the challenge is so huge; nobody can do it alone. So if we do it together, and we should again. Then it becomes simple for everybody. Do you think that governments are responsible for preparing for the future of work more than individuals for whatever future we get? They should, <laughs> but but in reality. But the thing is, I think people have left their responsibility somehow. You know, they say, "Okay, I have make uh, my vote, and this guy will represent me and will manage." And and uh, as I say, they give the. Also, the, the power to the expert. They are an expert. They can do it. They can challenge. Actually, when we see it, expert can can make mistake. You know, if you take the the GPD of Ghana, once have been triple, I think, because of uh, some error of one expert at the World Bank. Uh, so they can make an error, and it's very uh, impactful actually. But nobody is talking about. It. And and in the meantime, it's it's our life also. So everybody needs to be around the table again, not just giving the responsibility to some few, but to be engaged and even more in the local approach also because you need to localize. Many thanks to Marion, Nicholas and Karim for joining us on this episode. Collaboration, co-creation and co-creativity, three ideas that could define the way we work hereafter. But what do you think? How do you envision the future of work? Do let us know by commenting on our social media channels. You can also send us an email, which you can find in the description. If you liked this episode, be sure to check out other wise content on our website. See you next time.